seated and uh, continue in worship as we pray together. God, we thank you that in Christ we have found our peace. In this chaotic world, you offer us peace. We struggle to find peace in the midst of our lives. We long for it, but often we are wrestling as your people to know what it means to know your peace and to live out your peace in the world. And so this morning, as we lean into the truth that you have made peace with us, we ask you to shelter us in that truth. As we sit in the quiet, would you, by your spirit, visit us anew? Together, Lord, hear our prayer. God, we ask for the situations in our lives where we need your peace. We ask that you would bring your peace, but that you would help us also to be peacemakers. We pray for our families. Would you bring your peace to broken and difficult relationships between us? Would you help us to live in love with one another? We pray for those in our lives and community who suffer with health issues, mental, physical, or emotional. Would you shelter them in your peace? And would you visit the parts of our hearts and minds that are powered with anxiety and worry? Would you settle us with your care and your love? We ask for your peace. Together. Lord, hear our prayer. God, would you bring peace to our world? We ask for peace in countries ravaged by war and unrest. We pray for Haiti, for Ethiopia, for Afghanistan. We pray for peace in our country and our city as we face increasing polarization around COVID and protocols. Would you bring your peace? We pray for peace in our schools and hospitals. We pray for peace in our workplaces. We pray for peace in our neighborhoods. Together, Lord, hear our prayer. God, we don't just pray for peace. We ask that you would enlist us as peacemakers. We ask for courage to do the messy work of loving those we don't agree with, of reconciling and being reconciled with those who have wounded us 
or with those who we have wounded. Your peace came at a cost, and we know that your call to us is the way of love, and that you bring your peace as we lay down our lives for one another. Teach us these lessons in our church, in our families, and in the world. Amen. So keeping on the topic of peace, which is our theme this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about our practice for this month, which you might remember is engage community. So last week you were encouraged to go and serve somebody, to build community in your family, in this church, in your neighborhood, in whatever little communities you are a part of by serving one another. And this week, your challenge is going to be a little more challenging. So as followers of Jesus, we are called to be a community of peace. And sometimes we think that making peace means just keeping our mouth shut or just keeping the peace like just stepping back and avoiding conflict. But making peace is actually really vulnerable work because it's not simply avoiding conflict. It involves engaging in conversations with those who have hurt us, with those we've hurt, uh, or just with those we plain old disagree with. It's engaging in relationship with people that we might be tempted to other in order to build connection with them. Stanley Hauerwas says that we resist doing the hard work of peacemaking because if we actually engage with somebody whom, with whom we have issues, we might find in that conversation that we did something we shouldn't have done. Ouch. Or worse yet, they might repent and we won't be able to call them our enemy anymore. Peacemaking is vulnerable, hard work, and it requires courage but it is a powerful way of engaging and building community. So here's your practice for this week. Think of somebody with whom your relationship is a little bit off. You had a disagreement sometime, some, you know, a while back, or you did, they did something that offended you, or you did something that offended them. And so, you know, you just took a little step back from one another but over time you haven't talked about it or dealt with it. And all of a sudden that little step feels like a chasm. You avoid something, you avoid them, you see them in the grocery store, you walk the other way. I know, I know you know. Make peace with them. Maybe this just requires seeking out a convo with them and it'll just be really quick and easy. Uh, but maybe it might be asking the question, did I hurt you? How can I make it right? I'm sorry. I have this bad habit of putting off things that I don't want to do. For example, one time I wanted to cancel my cable and it took me six months to make the phone call because in my head, every time I thought about it, I built it up to be bigger than it was going to be. I thought they were going to try to convince me to keep my cable. I was going to end up having a 10-minute conversation. I might come back from the phone call with more services than what I started with, so I just avoided the conversation. Finally, one day I called and it took three minutes to cancel my cable. I'm betting that if you go and have a conversation with that person that you're thinking about right now, it'll be a little bit like my experience with the cable company. And you will walk away feeling lighter and having engaged community and built something um, in service for the kingdom of God. So this week, your challenge 
is to go and build peace with someone. Now, just as an aside, I'm not asking you to go out and make peace with your worst, worst enemy this week, okay? We're just talking about somebody that you need to make things right with. So there's your challenge for this week. Okay, before Bishop Cliff comes, we have a few announcements. First off, Buckets of Thanks um, is an initiative that we're participating in with MCC. Um, what we do is we pack buckets with things that um, are valuable for those who are displaced by war or unrest or other things within their country that are, um, have forced them to flee their homes. And then we send those buckets to the people who need them most. Now, you guys have filled up all of the slots for packing buckets because you're awesome. But if you would still like to participate in this initiative, you can contribute financially. We're hoping to raise $3,000 through your giving and we're gonna match that with uh, the same amount from our care fund. So you can do that by visiting our website or by dropping your gift in the give boxes. Uh, we talk a lot about connecting here at Lakeview and our blueprint reflects this. We say that next is the way that we get connected. But because of COVID, a lot of the ways that we made those connections in the past have been stalled. We don't do things like Alpha and Moms and men's ball hockey. A lot of these things have um, kind of fallen by the wayside. But we want to dream up new ways that we can invite people to become connected at Lakeview again. So if you have a passion to help our community grow, or if you have some ideas about this, we'd love to have your participation. You can email Curtis at lakeviewchurch.com and uh, he'll set you up to get involved in that. November 21st, we're celebrating infant baptisms and dedications and believer baptisms and dedications. So you can find out more about how we hold these two traditions together by visiting our journal or you can go on our website. There's a video that explains how we hold these traditions together. But here's your invitation. If you're a parent and you have a baby that you would like to dedicate or baptize, go to our webpage and click register and Darlene will follow up with you. And if you follow Jesus and you're an adult and you haven't been baptized or confirmed, this invitation is for you as well. These moments are amazing. They are such special moments of grace when God visits us uh, by God's spirit in amazing ways. So if you're sitting out there and you're, it's niggling at you or you're just thinking about it, reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Allison at lakeviewchurch.com, okay? And finally, we're hosting an evening of prayer this Wednesday from 7 to 8.30. And we're inviting all of you to come and join us as we spend some intentional time praying for the future of Lakeview and for our potential new lead pastor. And here to uh, give you an update on our search team. What is it called? PLT. I did it. Pastoral lead task force is Justin. Awesome. Thanks, Ellie. Good morning, everybody. Um... So I'm up here giving you an update as from the search committee, as Allison said. This is part of our committee's commitment to being as transparent as we possibly can with this process. Sometimes it feels like it's not quite as, as clear to everybody as we would like it to be, so we're trying at least once a month for me to be up here giving you an update. Um, if you remember last month, I came up and we talked about how we are in the midst of developing a profile and a job description and getting those pieces in place so we could make a, a, a posting so that way we could begin the search. Um, I asked for your prayer at that time. Now we are at the point where I'm happy to say that we've started posting and networking this 
profile that we've created. It's available on lakeviewchurch.com slash careers. I did text Kurt while I was backstage because I noticed an error in it, but we'll get that fixed and it'll be ready to go. <laughs> um, it is really a description of what we're looking for in a lead pastor, what Lakeview is all about, what Saskatoon is all about, so that way somebody could come in eyes wide open with respect to putting an application in. So we are now in the process of getting that up. We're working with the Free Methodist Church in Canada to help us wrangle all of the, pro all of the applications as they come in, and we are working to get this, the news out about this posting and, and what Lakeview is looking for. And that's one of my two asks today is that all of you do as much as you can to, to network it. If you are aware of people in your life that might know who this person is or to be the next lead pastor or you know somebody who might know, please share it. That We're going to be putting it on social media next week. It is available to get the word out. We absolutely trust that God knows exactly who this next person is, but we also trust the process and this is a piece of the process. As Allison said, my second ask is about engaging in prayer. Right now, we are in this period of time where we're going to get the, the word out about the profile, and then we're going to sit back and we're going to wait, and we're going to rest, and we're going to trust God. And part of that means prayer for the process, and prayer for this person who's considering it, and prayer for the, for the team in general. And so that's part of us being part of the uh, evening of prayer next week. Um, a few members of the search committee are going to be there. A few members of the board are going to be there. We're trying to get as, as much engagement in that piece as well. We really want to trust in God as we go into this process, and that is a big piece of it. We're going to be collecting resumes and applications for four to six weeks, and then we're going to be starting the process of vetting them and running them through different assessments and those types of things. It's a, it's a typical hiring thing with respect to that, but again, God is in and around all of this, and I just ask that you continue to engage. If you have questions, please don't hesitate to ask. I'll be available after the service. Um, but otherwise, we are really getting into it now. We've done great work between the search committee, the board, the staff. We asked them for a number of people to provide feedback. And now it's the next step. Um, as I said, we're going to be doing monthly updates. So my next monthly update will be in the AGM. Um, but more information to come in that, on that for November. Thank you. Thanks, Justin. And thanks to the lead uh, PLTF that are doing such hard work to help us secure our future here at Lakeview. Uh, why don't you stand and greet one another and say hello this morning. So I am, it gives me great pleasure to introduce you to you this morning, Bishop Cliff Fletcher. He is the Bishop of the Free Methodist Church in Canada, which is the denomination of which we're a part. Uh, he's been the Bishop in, since 2017, but he's been involved in pastoral work for many, many years. And we're really grateful that he's here to speak to us about peace. So would you welcome Bishop Cliff? Thank you. Morning, Lakeview. Before we let Allison go, she's been on this um, a sacred journey, actually. Uh, you all have been telling the church in Canada that Allison should be ordained. So she has been a part of this tracking process, and um, that involves 
uh, brothers and sisters from across Canada interviewing you, taking courses, you talking to us, us talking to you, and, and at the end of the day this morning, actually, I called my secretary to get the final vote tally, and, and uh, everyone saying the same thing, she should be ordained. So she is officially Reverend Allison Lauber. Congratulations. She's in this in-between season, so uh, for sure, if uh, we had our way, we would want her to be ordained this afternoon, right? That would be the best way so that she can be officially reverend all the time now. And actually, have fun with that. Call her reverend for the next few weeks. Just call her reverend. She'd, she'd like that, I'm sure. Um, but it, we don't have the luxury of just doing that this afternoon, and we'll do it well in the new year. At some point, I'll come back, and we'll get her all ordained up. But she's in the between. So she is reverend, Allison. And she will be Reverend Allison, so that, that's her in-between season. Transition is kind of what you guys are all about right now, right? This is, a, this is a season of transition. And I think 25 years from now, when sociologists are writing about today, it'll all be about shifts, won't it? Something has shifted in our culture, and, and we're in the middle of it. And when shifts, you know, tectonic plates, for instance, they shift, it causes some damage. It, there's some things that happen, and uh, I think that's the season. If you and I had some time together, we'd talk about rawness in our culture. You know, it's not hard to cause a fight, is it? Say, say a certain political uh, character in the state's name out loud in a group and watch the waters divide, hey? It's actually a lot of fun at a party. Try it sometime. Or vaccination, or passports, or any of that stuff, and you can, you can start a fight. There's a rawness. You and I... We're called to be exactly what has been prayed for and talked about already, a people of peace, a God of peace. And he's that 170 times in Scripture, Jehovah Shalom, 170 times he is called the God of peace, invites us in to what is called the covenant of peace. I know most of the time we shorten it, we just call it the covenant. But, you know, you'd see it in Isaiah 54, Malachi 2, Ezekiel. You'll see that it's actually the long form is covenant of peace. So the God of peace invites us into a covenant peace through Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, and then into a gospel of peace. And you and I are fitted in, in, uh, in Ephesians, in the armor of God story. You and I are fitted with feet ready to, to present the gospel of peace. So what should we be marked by? What should we look like? We should be a people of, of peace. It should be how we enter culture. It should be how we live family life. It should be how we respond to each other. It should be how you experience life when you're all alone. Peace. So what I'd like to do, because I know you're in transition, we're praying for you and with you and we're excited for what's next for you all, but what, uh, what I'd like to do is to bless you this morning, and I want to bless you with peace, and I want you to hear the value, the incredible value that God places on you and responsibility with regards peace, and we've chosen Numbers chapter 6 for you. So Numbers chapter, you're very familiar with this, it's probably been a blessing at the end of sermons and benediction that you've heard, um, Numbers chapter 6 is described as being like the Lord's Prayer of the Old Testament. Because you and I, we, we may pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Probably not. Most of us do. But all of us pray into the principles of the Lord's Prayer, right? And so this Numbers passage is just like that. It's like the Lord's Prayer of, of the Old 
Testament. It is, um, uh, we should know a little bit about priests in this. So uh, when you hear priest described in the Old Testament, what, what's their function? What's the function of a priest? Well, let's compare priest to prophet. So the prophet in the Old Testament uh, has the job of hearing from God and speaking into people, regardless of whether they are people of God or not in the Old Testament. You'll see that, and in New. So they hear from God, so they have to have a close relationship with him, and they speak for him into people. The priest, on the other hand, walk people into the presence of God. They would see, receive your sacrifice and walk you into the opportunity of being right with him. So prophets speak from God into people. Priests walk people into his presence, into right relationship with him. There's some uh, fluidity of that. You'll see that. Some priests operated as prophets in the Old Testament. But for the most part, that's how, that's how they functioned. Fun fact is, when Jesus came and did what he did, he made us a kingdom of priests. So you and I now, as part of our identity as followers of Jesus, is to walk people to, to Jesus. That's part of the calling on your life. So this is part of the context of what you and I are about to read into. So, okay, verse 22, if you have it open, chapter 6 of Numbers is where we're at. And verse 22, if you have your Bibles, it says this. Priests, this is how you are to bless the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. So stop for a second. I want you to, to think about the word bless in that, in that first verse. Who's doing the blessing? So priests, this is how you are to bless the people. So who's doing the blessing? The priests, right? But the very next line is, the Lord bless you and keep you. So who's doing the blessing? God's doing the blessing. So who's doing the blessing? I, I, I want you to see the interconnectedness here. It's kind of cool, really, isn't it? It speaks volumes about your, your value as a follower of Jesus, as a priest. Because God's doing the blessing, and you're doing the blessing. So whose blessing is it? You are invited into the power of God working in someone else's life. That's a big deal, isn't it? There's huge responsibility in that, isn't there? And it speaks volumes about your value, the value that God places on your life. The Lord bless you. Now, blessing in the Old Testament, as you probably know, involved uh, land, wealth, and, um, and children, lots of children. You were blessed if you had land, wealth, and health. Those were, those were part of the blessing in the Old Testament. Those don't necessarily transfer to the New Testament. Jesus didn't make that list. It's not that his people would be people that would have lots of kids or would have land and wealth, though sometimes we wish at least one or two of those would be true, right? So land, wealth, health, and children are Old Testament. And it was there designed in such a way that other groups of people, people groups, would see what was going on over here, and they'd want in too, whatever this covenant relationship with God was, this God that was being introduced to the world. In the New Testament, blessing is spoken about very differently. Now, I'm not going to do your homework on this one. I'm giving you this passage, and I'd love you to spend some time in it, but I'll give you a, a, a little bit of a nudge forward. Read the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, you'll hear 
what blessing is in the New Testament. And really, interestingly, the big piece that you're going to discover is that it's a so that blessing. You are blessed so that you will be a make, make a difference in the world. You are blessed in order to bless. You are given in order to give. And that is the stuff of New Testament blessing. It's a so that blessing. It's almost other-centered, though you get to be a part of it. So the Lord bless you. Blessing worked this way, actually. It, uh, it comes out of uh, deep listening prayer. And it was a, a promise or a word or a gift from God that you are offering someone else. And it comes out of this prayer over here, this deep listening prayer. So um, let's say someone's on your heart. You, you want to pray for, for Pastor Curtis. You want to pray for Curtis. So we're going to do that. And so you listen until such time as you have some sense that God has given you this word or a promise or a gift to bring him. And then you bring that with some sense of confidence, but a whole lot of humility. And it should sound something like this. Uh, I've been praying for you, and this came to mind. I want to give it to you. It should not sound like this. Like my, <laughs> a young lady in a church I served called me up late one night. She said, someone just showed up my my boyfriend, my old boyfriend, just showed up and said, God told me, him, that uh, we were supposed to be married. Cliff, he didn't tell me that, you know. So we can get this right. So with great humility, you present this to Curtis. Not God told me, because you, you could be wrong, and Curtis could be confused, and you could do some damage. So what you're doing is you're saying, I, I, I think, or I believe, or as I was praying for you, this verse, this word, this promise from God, this gift came to mind. My wife just did that. We we're in a new, we just moved to a little town and, and um, we met a neighbor walking our dogs. And so Carlene prayed this way to bless this, this neighbor. And uh, so she brought, the gift was, was banana bread. And that banana bread, she said, well, okay, I'll do that. And brought the banana bread and the lady invited her in and that turned into a conversation which turned into prayer after the long conversation which turned into the lady attending church with us. Blessing, uh, you don't know what kind of gift or what kind of promise or word can do in someone else's life, but your job is to listen deeply and to bring it humbly. And so when we pray this prayer, you are praying to engage in whatever this blessing is. The Lord bless you, that he would give you a word, a promise, or gift. The Lord bless you and keep you. Keep here is uh, the word protect. It's the word um, and promises in Scripture where you hear that God is our refuge. God is our hiding place. Spend some time in this one because there's some sloppy things that we do as Christians with this passage about God's protecting. You've heard in the news, I'm sure people say things like, oh, I'm so blessed by God, thankful that I wasn't on that airplane that went down and killed many people. You know, I got a cold that day and God blessed me. That's some sloppy stuff, isn't it? And we do things like that, Christians. I'm so blessed that I own this big thing. When across town, people don't own anything. So do some work in what it is that God protects us and keeps us. But I'll give you a verse. Colossians chapter 3. It describes God as being that we are hidden in Christ. So if I had a great big guy in front of me here and pretended that that was Christ, and I stood behind that person, behind Jesus, I'm hidden behind him. Who do you see when you walk into that room? See him. When you talk to me, who do the words hit first? They hit him. And when you're picturing this hidden in Christ, who are you picturing hidden? 
Is it just you alone? Because as a matter of fact, most of the time when Paul writes, who wrote this verse, hidden in Christ, it's plural, the you. So most of the time, the you are yous. Any English teachers in the room? We're okay then if I just say used. Most of the time it's used. And so what you need to be picturing in hidden in Christ is all of us behind. And this is the place where we cheer each other on and build each other up and cheer each other into ordination and to ministry and in our gifts. Here is the place of protection where first of all, it's Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. You are praying hiddenness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Who wrote numbers? Arguably, who, who wrote numbers? You know? Curtis knows. No? He doesn't know. Moses probably wrote. He thinks he said the right answer, but the masks, eh? It's just. Moses probably. Who had a face shining experience? Moses. And what was that face shining experience? It was the presence of God into Moses' life. And so when you are praying this blessing, you are praying that the Lord would make himself, um, that you would know his presence, aware of his presence in a life. It's not that we're praying an invitation for God to show up. God is already here. That, that it's not terrible language to pray. It's the best kind of words that we have to describe his moving and moving in people's lives. It's sometimes in scripture even. But the truth is he's already present. So your prayer, when you're praying this blessing, is that they would become aware of God moving in people's lives, in their life in particular. That they would know God's provenient grace, that God has always been working in that person's life. That they would know how God is working now. And you, as an engager, as a priest, as a peace bringer, you are responsible to help them to see God working in their life. That's journeying with them. It's helping them see God has been doing this in your life. You are not alone. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Don't have anywhere near enough time to talk about grace. But can I give you a little bit of homework here on this one? Grace in Scripture is your undeserved love from God on your life. It's undeserved you're not necessarily worthy of it. It's not that you can earn it. And it's always connected to um, relationship with him. So his grace is him. His grace is connected to deliverance or salvation. So him healing you, changing you, transforming you, bringing you into a new place. The language of new song and new creation. That's, that's the stuff of grace. And it's absolutely connected to forgiveness. Forgiveness, eh? That should be the language we speak, eh? That should be our, that should be the, 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 the accent we speak with, church. It should ooze out of us when we're squeezed or pushed. It should be forgiveness. It should be how we lead. It should be how we teach. It should be how we live. It should just poof out of our mouths. That's the stuff of grace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. You know what that one is? Okay, so when you met your wife, you looked at her and you gave her some sort of look across a room, right? And you told your friends the next day, he looked at me, right? And in that, you, we all heard you say, he paid attention to me. 
he delighted in me. He loved in my direction, you know. That's what that idiom is. When the Lord turns his face towards you, the language here is the language of God delights in you, smiles at you. And that's where you stop and you say, of all the things we could be blessing into people, God's smiling? Like we could be blessing with them of power, strength, energy. And God chooses to say, what it is that I want you to bring to them is an understanding that I delight in them. And I want them to know my smile. Now, I have friends that God only ever smiles. That's, that's how they understand God. No matter what they're doing, no matter how wrong they are, God just smiles, smiles, not really aware, you know. That's not the Bible God. And then I've got friends that never see God smile. They just can't get their head around it. They, they've, just, they've just done too much hurt. They've done too much damage. They just, they don't see it. That's fluffy. I had a mentor, mentee say that to me one day. I said, tell me about God's face in this. What's his expression towards you? And they said, that's fluffy. I said, well, the Bible actually says, seek my face. What's that mean, to seek the face of invisible God? What's that look like? It means to spend time with him in the word. It means to have a sense of who he is through the people that you live with. It means to have all kinds of time alone with him, to share life with him. You, um, you don't know my mom, so let me, let me try this out on you. Ready? She don't watch this, I'm sure. She, when I was four years old, five years old, four or five, I know what, where we were living. We were in an apartment in Montreal, an apartment in Montreal. My dad was never home, um, but at Christmas time, they gave me a, a toolkit. Now, back in the day, a toolkit was not the Fisher-Pice toolkit. They were real tools shrunk down to size. So they were metal tools. They, I had a screwdriver that worked. I had a, a square, and it was, it was really pointy. I know because I poked my sisters. I have three of them. I poked them, and that was taken away from me. So I know that that was for real. And then the saw was not one of those Fisher-Price plastic saws. Remember the saws back? They were real saws with real teeth, and they do damage. But I lived in an apartment in Montreal. There's no wood in an apartment. There's no wood in Montreal, right? So there's this. So what do you do? My dad didn't have a workshop. So what does a five-year-old do? You find wood. A broom is wood, right? So I did the wood on the broom. And mom walked in, and she saw that going on. And what facial expression did she make? Now, let me tell you this. She wasn't actually mad at me. She used my, my, she's French-Canadian, and she used my dad's name in bad language to connect it. What face did she make? What's funny about that is for years, they never replaced it because mom would sweep and swear in French for years until she came to know Jesus. Now, you pictured her face just now. How come? How'd that happen? Because you've had life experiences as parents. You know something of the sense of what just went on. The life that we share with Jesus helps us bring us to a place where we begin to see his face in our lives, what he directs his expression towards us. And if you're living in a space where you're always seeing him frown, then my friends, you need to find someone to help you not see that all the time because that's not the biblical God. And if all he ever does is you smile and smile and smile no matter what you, then that's not the biblical God. You need to know that he's alive and watching every part of who you are. And he delights in you always. And there's times that he's saying, and there's times that most of the time he's saying, that's mine, she's mine, he's mine. Actually, he's always saying that. 
unlike our parents when they say, your son just cut the broom in two. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. Can you stop for a second and just hear the delight that he has in you? Just sit with that for a moment. He delights in you. He delights in you. Now, you just heard three times, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. That's a literary device in Scripture. The scribes did not underline or bold or italics. What they did instead is they used literary devices, Hebrew and Greek, and they would put uh, or word order. You know, for instance, they'd start a, a word, put it at the front of the phrase in order to, to emphasize it. Or they would double up the word. Instead of red, it was red, red. Or, and this, numbers, is a literary device. So special numbers in scripture would be like the number six or the number seven or the number 40 or 12 or the number three. And when you see three, you stop and it's like a Hebrew emoji, you know, stop and pay attention to this. And the number three in scripture is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's Trinity. And you stop and you say, what about the heart of God here is happening? Luke 15, you'll see it there three times and that's an unusual thing. Three parables in a row that help us understand something about heart of God. Holy, holy, holy. Heart of God stuff. This, heart of God stuff. And here's where it lands. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. The way this is structured is that peace now is the landing place. It is, the, it is the word that defines everything else that just went on here. So if you understand the blessing of God in your life, then what word would you use to describe that experience? Peace. If you know what it is to be hidden in Christ with a whole bunch of yous, then what's the experience? It's safe. It's joyful. It's, it's peace. The Lord make his face shine upon you. When you become aware of his presence, even in lousy times, what's that experience? Peace. And when you understand his grace, his forgiveness, his deliverance, his transformative work in your life, then what's that word? Peace. And when you just remembered a moment ago that he delights in you, that you're his, What's the word that wells up in your soul? Peace. And here's the corker. You're priests. So for sure this belongs to you, but what are we supposed to do with this? Do it. You bring this blessing into someone's life. And I love the challenge you were just given. So here, this is part of how you can do the peace initiative that you were called to do by Allison, Reverend Allison a moment ago. Bring peace. You can bless them. I, I don't recommend that you use the full-length blessing when you meet a, a neighbor. You know, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine. They're going to look at you kind of funny. But you can step into the principle here. Or if they are a believer in Christ, maybe these are the words you choose. But it comes out of deep listening prayer, this exercise. But before you do it, it has to be true for you. So this is where I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for us as a church family in transition time. I'm going to pray for you you would experience the fullness of his peace. Let's pray. So, Father, I pray this. 
into this church family, this blessing. And I pray for each individual in this room and watching, uh, Father, that they would experience the fullness of what it is to experience your blessing, your word, your promises, your gifts in their lives. They would understand what it is to be kept in you, to be protected in you, to be hidden in you. They would become very aware, even today, of your presence. Because sometimes when things are lousy, it feels like you're far, and that's not true. That they would know your grace, your transformative work in their lives, your gift of continuous love and mercy. That they would know the delight you take in them. Father, that they would know your smile. They would picture it even now. So that they would have peace. That they would be a people of peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.